Hi everyone. Jake and I are so grateful for all of your support. We want to remind all of our listeners to always dive within the limits of your training and experience and always follow the advice of your instructors and dive masters. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for formal dive instruction. We are so thrilled to have this space to share our stories and experiences and thankful we get to share them with all of you. Stay safe out there and always have fun. Welcome back. <laughs> We're so excited to be back. Here we are recording just after vacation and after quite a few classes yeah, that we, you've had. We have some cleanup to do. So welcome to Dive 5. We're calling this dive our no-fly time. Uh, we'll be talking about traveling, all the things that we think about when we go abroad. But before we do that, first off, I want to thank you guys. I know Miles does too. We hit 200 listens. 200 of you have decided to make us a part of your dive life, and we could not be more excited to, uh, to share our experiences with you guys and to be excited that you guys are sharing this part of, uh, of your day with us. So thank you. Yeah, we've had multiple people reach out to us saying, when's the next podcast coming on? And it just makes my day when I get messages like that or even people messaging us and saying, hey, this is a great idea for your podcast. You should add this in or when are you guys going to talk about this? And so I I love it. I love that you guys are excited about it. You're interacting with it. And yeah, keep sending us yeah. messages. Keep contacting us. Give us all your ideas. Yeah, always hit us up on Instagram. Uh, we both We both see it. So... Uh, you know, we're stoked to continue sharing, sharing diving with you guys. Yeah, for sure. And then I have to hand the floor over to Miles because <laughs> as you may have heard from previous episodes, all Miles episodes. And, <laughs> and all the episodes because it's been a little bit of a big thing for, for, for you, I know. Yeah. Uh, Miles and producer Caleb went to Bali, to Indonesia. Yes, we so did. So Miles, the floor is yours. Tell us about it. Well, it was amazing. I think I could talk for the whole episode about it, but I'll try to cut it down. So yeah, so we did most of our diving in Gili Trawangan, which is actually a part of Lombok, which is the island that's next to Bali. It's all still Indonesia, but Gili Trawangan does have quite a few differences than like compared to Bali and Nusa Penida. The Nusa Penida Islands are attached to Bali. So in Gili Trawangan, you see a lot more turtles compared to in Bali and then off of Nusa Penida. I'm giving Miles the, ooh, yeah, I like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, back to that. So Gili Trawangan, it has a lot of differences in the wildlife and what you see there, the diving, as well as the culture on Gili Trawangan. So it's actually a Muslim country. And then Bali is Hindu, and so that was really neat to see two different cultures. Oh, cool! In so one you trip. so you went to both Bali and Gili Trawangan. So you were you were in both places at at, at some point during this, during this trip. Yes. So I was. Um, we did quite a bit of traveling around. So we flew into Bali, and then we took a very interesting boat ride over to Gili Trawangan. It's not an easy boat ride. I felt very claustrophobic, and you smell gas. 
for a lot of it. So just beware if you <laughs> if you do this trip, if you go on those boats, I highly recommend sitting on the top and just wear a long sleeve shirt so that you don't sunburn, but sit on the top so that you don't smell the gas as much. But yeah, um, so yeah, I saw a lot of turtles. Caleb actually did an adventure dive with um, Trawangan Dive when we were there. It was awesome. Highly recommend them. Um, we had a great experience Shout diving. Shout out Trawangan Dive. What was the adventure dive that he did? So we went deep. I really wanted to do a deep dive. I yeah. wanted to go down to a ship, a shipwreck that was there. And so it was at 90 or so feet. Nice. And... So yeah, Caleb was like, well, I really want to go with the two. And they said, oh, we'll just do the adventure dive with you. I'll have another instructor go. You'll do a couple skills before and after briefing. And yeah, you'll Sweet. have one adventure dive down. So talk through like the diving. So what kind of dives, how many dives were you doing per day? Like what were the coolest things you saw? Talk us through, you know, okay. a lot of us haven't been to diving okay. in Indonesia. Okay. All right. so, so talk us through the diving. Yeah, so it was really cool. I guess like from start to finish of my day, we woke up and went to the dive shop, got there around 8.30. We hooked up with our either instructor or dive master that we had for that day. Um, they gave us a little briefing. We checked our gear and then got on the boat around 9 a.m. Um, went out and all the sites on Gilly Trawangan are just right around there. I mean, the boat ride is seriously like five minutes, sometimes 15. So 15 minutes oh, or less awesome. for every site. That's great. Truly, they could be shore dives, but it would be kind of so a long kick. Um, turns into a La Jolla Shores kick out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, one so, of the sites really would be like a 20 minute kick out and you could do it just from the shore. You could almost call it a house reef. Yes, exactly. I think you definitely could. Since the sites were so close to the shore, to the shop itself, we actually came back between each tank. And so you went oh, nice. out. Yeah. So you went out, did one tank and then you came back. We went and ate lunch. Um, and then we came back for the second tank around two o'clock. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you go out in the morning, you do a tank, and then you come back, and you've got like a couple hours. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, I liked it, especially because of the weather there and the mm. sights there. So I think it was okay to have that. I think the sights there are more involved, and you do longer dives. What's a, like, it was average like, dive? It was like a 45 to an hour. Every okay. Every dive we did was 45 minutes to an hour. And we're comparing that to a 20 to 30 minute dive off La Jolla Shores. Mm -hmm. So, fair enough. Yeah, so I think it was it was good the way that we did it. Um, I, I mean, honestly, you could do two tanks, but the way that their boats are set up, if they had so many people, they couldn't, they wouldn't have the room for the tanks. Gotcha. And there's no way they could get a boat compressor out there. I think it would take a lot. The dives itself, I mean, I have never seen so much healthy live coral. Oh, that's the best. And just, just so much life. I missed that because in Costa Rica, we would dive down and it was a really untouched area where we were we were diving so it was a lot of healthy coral so much like life just fish just everywhere and i really missed that so that was it was amazing to see that and be a part of that again and you could tell that they were doing a lot of coral restoration project oh, in those that are fun to see. yeah those so are there fun was to watch. so there was quite a bit of that and then it was also interesting for me to see 
lionfish in their appropriate area. So yeah, I obviously when you dive in the Caribbean or in Florida, you want to go kill lionfish. And yeah, then... and so like I've seen, I've been on dives in Honduras where it's a sport to go out and kill the lionfish and just to help save the environment because they really do a number yeah, on in no, the environment in the Caribbean. There's no natural predators out there. When you did that, um, just quick sidebar, when you did that, did you um, bring them back and have the chef make sashimi out of them? Yeah, so it wasn't whatever you said, but we made ceviche. So that was cool just to see them in a natural habitat and for them to be beautiful and you know exciting in that area instead of something to hunt they're very very cool yeah. I, like, I like see i like lionfish when you are allowed to like lionfish mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's and obviously saw lots of rays and those of you that follow the instagram know i love rays that's my favorite um you yeah. might have a couple rays uh, <laughs> i might have them on my body on and i you. do after these dives i want to get more um, we, so that was basically Gilly Terangan, loved it, would totally go back. As far as Nusa Penita, so Nusa Penita is closer to Bali, and if you're going to Bali, it's, and you want to stay in that area and not go all the way to the Gilly Islands, it is closer. So if you even wanted to do a day trip, you could go over to Nusa Penita, do a dive, and then go back to Bali if you wanted to. So... We actually spent the night there because we were going from Gilly to New Spanita and then back to Bali. So we spent one night there. We woke up, went diving. We did a two tank dive. We didn't come back in between because the site was pretty far and very choppy. We, I don't know if it was just the side of the island that we were on or how the wind came off of the ocean at that point, but it was the choppiest boat ride I've ever been on. Totally worth it. We went out to Manta Point and Man <laughs> I, I love any dive named Manta Point. That I'm so, already I'm already done. Manta Point off of New Spanita was one of the most interesting, unique dives I've ever done. We finally got out there after a very choppy and treacherous boat ride, but it was totally worth it. We get in the water at a cleaning station for mantas. What is a cleaning station? So a cleaning station is where the mantas will go and certain types of fish will come up and help them get clean. And that's... What, is it, what does it look like? Um, it looks like an area that's pushed up closer to the shore. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty shallow. Yeah. So... And that's kind of, so we were really close to this cove area and the water, what, it was hard for the boats to be in there. Yeah. So it wasn't easy to get to, definitely. So cleaning stations are typically rock pinnacles? That's what it was. And um, I'm, I'm going back to, this is dives I did years ago in Palau and Yap, uh, also, in, also in, the, in the South Pacific. And they're typically in channels where there is water movement. So it allows the manta to hover motionless, water streaming past it so it can breathe through its gills. And exactly like you said, the, the so fish come yeah. up out of the, uh, out of the rock, out of the pinnacle, clean them. And did you, I don't know if you got to experience this, did you get to see them line up? Uh, not a bunch of them, but two or three at yeah. a time would line up. And there's a video that I have of me in line with them. With them? It was, That's it so was cool. really, really cool. So cool. But I was like next to them, still keeping my distance. I mean, even when you're down there, I, 
I wasn't scared, but I was respectably fearful yeah. because they're, they're still big. they're still big. They're, the they're size really of big. Volkswagens. They're yeah. big. Yeah. So I just I still kept my distance. Yeah. Some people got a little closer, and I was like, I just don't know about that. So it was it was incredible. We got in the water, and immediately I looked down, and there's two mantas right there. I I <sighs> think there the were ten or more in that cleaning station, and they would get really shallow because Caleb actually he snorkeled on that day because he had a cold Ooh, he couldn't right. equalize Fair but enough. i mean even the snorkeling was amazing for him oh yeah so and, and for those of for those of us uh who have had the good fortune to do a, one of those dives in hawaii uh at night oh, where night you one. where you set up the big canister lights and you shine them in the, in the plankton come uh there's snorkelers above you yeah at, with with lights on a surfboard looking down so the mantas will come up to you as well they'll do those backflips mm-hmm. um that we've all seen on i haven't on, on done Instagram. that i want to do it in the fall i um, think yeah it's it's a it's a really really awesome i every time i get the opportunity to dive with mantas i do it because it is it's that cool and you the it sounds like you were you were diving with the pelagic mantas the really big ones they were massive yeah, yeah they so, were massive those, those are the ones that have like the 10 to 12 foot wingspans yeah um, the ones with the ones i dove with in hawaii had more like a six to eight foot wingspan they're still big but yeah. they're you know and um did they could you tell if they were like playing with your bubbles no they definitely weren't weren't. they were trying to just do their own thing more than anything else they weren't really playing um they i mean they're kind of taking care of business getting clean and then heading out but um there was quite a bit of current especially deeper so i did experience that where like at one point we got caught in a current at about 85 and it was a little bit spooky because you know you start to get pulled down so we did have to kick pretty hard at one point. Um, it was also much colder on this spot than in Gilly, but mm. also on the other side of Nusa Penita, there was about a 10 degree water difference. Hmm. It was wild to see that. I, I, I wonder why, and I'm sure uh, if we have Indonesian divers who are listening they, and they can tell us why, yeah. please hit us up, let us know. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll shout you guys out. Yeah, so the next dive we did was a house reef off of Sanctum Dive Shop, which is the other dive shop that I dove with. And again, just like healthy, healthy, healthy coral for miles. This one was a drift dive. And I didn't really know, I didn't really know what to expect with this one because we went to that spot for the mantas and this other dive was just kind of an extra really impressed. I mean, there is a lot of life and healthy coral and a lot to see off of Nusa Penita, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. It is a pretty untouched island as of right now in Bali, but I think in the next 10 years, that's going to change a lot. Y'all don't touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch it. Stay off the bottom. Really, it was a huge difference from Gilly, where there's a lot of divers and a lot of traffic going out every day, all the time. And to see the difference of that was, I mean, it was obvious. It was very obvious. So if you're in the area, I would highly recommend Nusa Penita, but at the same time, be really cautious because it's a special area that is still very untouched and it has a lot to see. So overall impressions of Indonesia and diving. So before I went, someone that we work with told me Indonesia is going to ruin the Caribbean for you. (laughs) And he was exactly right. Oh, man. You know, I'm still going to love Mexico. I'm still going to love the Caribbean. I, my heart's there, but there's, I mean, there's nothing like Indonesia. It's so full of life. It's so 
it, the coral is just there's no comparison so so i'm actually doing my first ever live aboard in the fall in indonesia i don't want to reveal too many details because i want to uh, i want to give you guys uh the best possible uh you know sort of first impression of it but uh hearing miles talk we were talking before this and mm -hmm. she's been sending me videos for the last week and a half it's been it's been very annoying because I'm stuck in I'm stuck in San Diego. This, the conditions in San Diego haven't been great. haven't been great, so uh, it's been very annoying. But uh, I'm very very excited to go after hearing you talk about it. So while you were off gallivanting around the nation, <laughs> having the time of your life, I had an open water class in California. Ooh, all right. Uh, actually, an advanced open water class. Sorry. Yeah, tell us all about it because this is one of your first ones. It is, and this is one of the, my favorite classes that I that we teach uh, at our shop. We partner with the University of San Diego and we teach uh, both an open water class and an advanced open water class. So this was the advanced open water class. I was, I was co-teaching with another instructor who was one of my mentors, one of our mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, great guy. Really, really enjoy working with him. But uh, to say the least, the conditions were challenging. We had the first weekend, we do this over two weekends. It's five dives over two weekends. And we, the reason we do it over two weekends is because we found that Students just won't show up if we do a Saturday <laughs> and a Sunday. Uh, we found that no matter how many times we beg and plead and yell and curse and stamp our feet and tell them not to go out drinking Saturday night, they don't listen. But so it's college. It's I college. Mean... And, and we, we, we understand that. So we said instead of making you stay in on Friday and Saturday night mm -hmm. so you could dive Saturday and Sunday, we'll dive two Saturday mornings. So at least you get your Saturday nights. Yeah, um, I think that's better. I mean, I think back to me in college absolutely i completely i would have that. not been okay with that, that. <laughs> and in addition to getting obviously the advanced certification these students also get i think it's half a credit the conditions were definitely a challenging factor for these divers i'd worked with a few of them in the past i teach the open water uh sometimes so we the open water in the fall a few of our students from that ended up in this advanced open water class which was awesome uh love to see them come back i'd actually done a couple of fun dives with one or two of these uh divers so we get out on the first Saturday and we we're supposed to do three dives. We we're going to do our underwater navigation dive, more compass skills and, and, and navigating underwater. Uh, the second dive was peak performance buoyancy. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really dialing in your buoyancy, making sure you're coming off the bottom, staying off the bottom, and then, um, and then tracking your, your instructor as, as we sort of do this roller coaster uh, dive profile. Just That's one of my of favorite peak. ones. I, I love peak, PPV dives. So uh, we do that, we were gonna do that one, and then the third one was gonna be our, our underwater naturalist dive, where you go out and you're looking for specific fish and you're gonna try and identify them based on their shape or size or, or other identifying features. I um, like doing that one after PPB, yeah, because right. then, you know, they've, they focus on their buoyancy, they have had the chance to really tone it in, and then on that second dive, maybe they're able to pay more attention because they got their buoyancy a little bit Exactly. Better. So that was going to be the order of events. We were yeah. into NAV, PPB, and then Naturalist. So we get out um, two to three foot waves, not so bad. Do our usual kick out. And as we're going to set the float, it is pea soup down there. Five, <laughs> maybe six foot visibility. Uh, I can barely, I can see my own fins and that's about it. Mm. So we realized this Quite is going to be an <laughs> absolute great opportunity for our students to practice navigation. Part of the, you know, the biggest part of navigation is, is learning to use and trust your compass. 
So they learned how to use and trust a company. And that's one of the longer dives in the advanced open water curriculum. Um, I think I was, uh, my total dive time on that was about an hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes. It's longer and you use quite a bit of air you too. You do, you do, which is why we tend to do it in shallower water. So we did this in, in 20 feet mm -hmm. of water. Yeah. Um, so everyone, no one ran out of air before they were able to complete the, there are four different profiles that you have to trace in the sand. But that's something you um, always want to talk to your students about like, hey, your air consumption is going to be quite a bit more yeah. and you're not, you may, you may not realize it this time just because you're so focused and usually when you're trying to focus more and you're doing a skill like this and you're kicking and you're, you know, thinking, if, you're and, thinking yeah. about it, you're going to use more air and that's okay. Just watch it. Yeah. Um, so we did that dive and it took a little bit longer for everybody and everyone was going real slow, which I appreciated. One of the things we told them was, listen, trust your compass, but go slow. Because if you realize, Hey, I'm off course and you've only done five kicks, that's a lot easier to correct than if you've done 15. So go slow, take your time. You won't you won't use as much air as you might otherwise do, and uh, you'll have a better time. So after that dive, we then did our peak performance buoyancy dive, and by that point, the conditions had not improved, <laughs> and we realized the odds of finding fish or finding enough um, life to make a uh, underwater naturalist dive make sense really wasn't going to happen. So we moved that dive to the next weekend. Flash forward a week, we did our night dive, we did our deep dive, and we did our under, underwater naturalist dive. Mm. And the conditions had improved significantly. Oh, good. We still had, the reason for the uh, poor visibility was we had a red tide, a red algae bloom uh, in San Diego because of different water temperatures. It sometimes creates really conducive conditions for this algae to just explode. And uh, for the first, I would say, you had three feet of clear water on the, on the top, mm -hmm. then it's about 17 feet of, of pea cloud. soup, of this yeah. cloud of algae and the phytoplankton and the yeah. zooplankton that eat that algae. So it gets really thick and difficult to see. Once you drop below about 20 feet though, it was beautifully clear. Very, very cold, yeah. 53 degrees, but, but yeah. beautifully clear. That's usually what it is. So it, the night dive was a night dive. Mm -hmm. We dropped through the, uh, the, 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 the green cloud and head, we headed out to the canyon, had a fantastic dive. Night dives are fantastic. For those that don't do a lot of night dives, that don't like night dives, try it again. Do more, do them, do more yeah. of them, do all of them because you'll see so much more life and so much more variety of life than you do during the day. Most of the predators, the octopus, the rays, the shrimp, the even the smaller things, they come out at night mm -hmm. because anything that hunts using light. A lot of the rays. Anything that hunts using light isn't going to be out, right? They're going to be sleeping. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the smaller stuff, the more interesting stuff, comes out at night. The colors also come out at night. Yeah. For those of, for for our warm water diving friends, the coral polyps open up mm -hmm. at night, and the colors of the coral. If you thought the coral looked good during the day, you should see it at night. It's incredible. And so, you get the bioluminescence. And you get the bioluminescence. In a lot of places, which you is get, my favorite. I love bio. I, lo I love playing with that on on the safety stop. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll hold my light up against my chest so it goes dark. And just, just playing. Yeah. Just rotate my hand in the water. Get some it's bioluminescent so cool. arm. So what ended up happening was because of this thick layer of plankton and and algae and and various uh, microscopic life, we ended up with uh, our next two dives basically also being night dives. By mm. the time we did, we got to 95 feet on our deep dive, and by the time we got there, it felt like night. 
Mm. Um, it was dark down there, wow. but it was beautifully clear. So once again, you know, mm. we just basically treated it as a night dive. We told everyone, "Hey, bring your bring your lights on this dive." Yeah. They kept them strapped in, and and we just uh, we, we we treated it as a night dive, and then we did naturalist. And I gotta say, you know, after all five of those dives, you know, these are these are college students. They're not. You know, they're, they're, they're doing this because they love diving, but you know, at the end of the day, they are also getting credit for it, but they were absolute champs. They showed up early, they were prepared and they rocked those dives. So, you know, I really can't say enough good things about them and, uh, you know, I'm stoked, to, I'm stoked to have certified, I'm stoked to have certified them. I love having young adults and just because people that are still students. Yeah. So when you get that age range of like 16 to... 25 yeah. there's still like so much in that student mode absolutely that they're like oh this is a class this yeah. is you know like college i'm gonna show up early i'm gonna ask the questions that need to be asked. so we're gonna jump into it uh we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll start talking about uh traveling and diving Woo! all right so we're gonna throw it back to travel i think the biggest thing with travel is finding good people to travel with and nine times out of ten a good person to travel with is also going to be your dive buddy because this is already somebody that you trust this is already somebody that you have a good time with you know like i think travel i think that's a big thing with travel i mean everybody does it a little bit differently everybody some people do backpacking some people do it on a budget and then some people like to go on liveaboards like you and you don't budget travel at all <laughs> i have budget traveled okay this isn't the, the, this this trip is an exception to the rule okay um, the last time we traveled together you did not want to budget travel <laughs> no because i think i i think most problems can be solved by not spending the, the absolute least amount of money so i when i do most of my dive travel i do travel by myself oh okay. and in the converse side of what you're saying, I enjoy meeting other divers. Mm. So I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, recently, well, not recently, it was nine months ago now, damn. Um, I went to Fiji mm -hmm. and I was there by myself and I'm sitting at lunch one day, it was maybe my second day there, and I happened to look over and see the captain of the dive boat two months prior that I had been on in Hawaii. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Nice. And, and I'm like, there's only one guy that looked, there's they, like, there, there can't be two he guys. That, like that. He, yeah. he was He was a very distinctive individual. Okay. And I looked at him like, there's no way that's not him. <laughs> so I'm like, Captain Bob? And he's like, holy crap, I recognize you too. And so we had this moment, we ended up diving together for the rest of the trip. And I was like, Oh, so, that's awesome. Because he didn't dive when we were in Hawaii. He was on the boat on the, the whole boat. time. He was being boat captain. Yeah. And he was being Captain Bob. So I, he, this was his time to dive for mm -hmm. himself. And, and he was an incredibly good diver. And I just spent the whole time. He was there with his wife. And I spent the whole time just watching him dive. Because I'm like, I can probably learn something from him. And he yeah. was getting great videos and pictures. And we were swapping videos and pictures the whole whole rest of the trip. So I ended up just diving with him. The other example I'll give you is the year before that, I went to Cozumel, and I can use Cozumel also. We, we, we want to talk about drift diving, so I'll come back to that in a moment. The, the, I stayed at two different places in Cozumel. The first place I stayed at, um, shout out to that group of like five or six of us. We got together on the first day. We all got buddied up together. 
We all had the same and dive master. And together. we stuck together for like five or six that days. That happens so We'd often. get on the boat. We'd be hanging out. We'd get off the boat. We're having lunch together. Get back on the boat for the afternoon. Get Come off the boat again and, and have dinner together and then drinks after that. That happens. So I think that happens way more often than yeah. people talk about. No, it's awesome. I mean, I, we still follow each other on Instagram. Uh, I know we still, like a couple of That's us still awesome. talk. So we're all we're all friends and and uh, we we've we've stayed friends uh, over the last couple of years, which has been fantastic. Uh, hopefully, we get a chance to dive again soon. We're all we're all over the country, uh, Nashville, Colorado, uh, Texas, and then California for me. So, I mean, I've met a bunch of people. Yeah, no, I've I've done it both ways. Yeah. So I've done the travel diving by myself, and you know, meeting people. But a lot of times. The people that I meet and I have the best connection and conversation with are the people that work there. Almost mm-hmm. almost always it's going to be the people that are instructing or dive mastering. Those are the people I have something in common with. And so I relate to them the most. And that's usually what happens for me, yeah. um, especially at the time that I was doing it because I didn't have a professional job yet. And so I just, so working I just and diving was your professional job. Yeah. And so like, I just, yeah. Course, and so like, I just, I didn't really relate to any of the dive buddies or the people that I was diving with and they were working nine to fives and I wasn't at the time. And so I was like, yeah, like, you know, I just didn't get them, but yeah. I, the dive masters and I, we always got along like really well. Do you find yourself when you're traveling acting sort of as a dive, a, a, a dive professional when you're not being a dive professional? Like, when you're traveling and you're not working. I you, try not to. I try. But you have to force yourself, right? I, I had to like force myself and try, like actively try not to. Like, so let's go back to Caleb taking his class yeah. in Bali and Gilly team. I actively had to like keep, make space and like let him be with that instructor and not get in the way. Mm. And so I kind of did my own thing and let him do that. Because if I had like just sat there and been staring at them, I know like as an instructor that would make me incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, it would it would annoy the hell out of me. It would annoy me so much if I like jump if I had someone like jumping in and asking questions and making comments or even like underwater just sitting there and staring. It would make me really uncomfortable. And so, like, I really kept my distance. Well, I, I was talking more about, like, when I'm on the boat, like, I'm helping with tanks, I'm helping with gear, I'm helping with this oh. and that and the other thing. Like, I'm always just, like, I'm, I'm in that dive master mindset of, like, let me help you, let me do this, let me do that. So um, I'm actually not. I think I take the opposite approach. I'm not working. It's not my problem. Somebody else deal with it. I'm not working and I'm paying to have this experience. And so I will help when it's needed and asked for but I'm not going to actively ask like, oh, do you need help with that? Oh, do you need help? Blah, blah, blah. Because it is like, okay, I know for like myself and my classes, I'm like, you're paying to have a service done for you. And so I'm going to help you with your gear. I'm going to do this. Like, if you want to help out, that's great. But like, you are paying for me to do this for you. And so I will. Okay, because fair that's, enough. Like, fair that's enough. what you're paying for. Fair enough, but... Every time someone else puts my gear together, I have to check it. I check I have it. To, no. like, I have to basically undo it. And do I, it I check it. And like that was something that was really nice about the, got the diving in Gilly T is that 
they put it together for me, but before they even put it on the boat, they said, hey, your gear's together where you come check it out and just make sure it looks right. Sometimes they do that, sometimes they don't. Sometimes so, they just sometimes they just put it together and that's, you know, they don't they don't say anything. Yeah, so my my dive shop experience in Gilly Tea versus versus in New Spanita wildly different. Um loved Gilly Tea. I had some comments and concerns about New Spanita. I'd probably dive with someone different there. Um if I went again, just because I felt like the service overall and the service mindset in Gilly T was a lot better. Fair enough. Um, now, you did you bring your own gear to yeah. Indonesia? Yes. You did? Yeah, I did. What did you bring? So I brought my BCD fins. I brought a skin suit. I was going to bring my wetsuit, but then just considering like... The, One of those like undersuits, right? So, yeah, so yeah. I brought like the full... So it's like a rashy, but like a full, full body, a full body, a full rashy. body yeah, yeah, rashy. Yeah, sure. I really like that. Um, it was great for the conditions there for sure. Were you wearing a wetsuit under... Did you rent a wetsuit underneath? Uh, I rented a shorty on day one in Gilly Tea. And I, after day one, I was like, I don't need this. That's and awesome. so then I just went skin... And honestly, you could have gotten nothing or just a rashy on top yeah. and been fine. I have to wear a rashy or something because I, like, it's not that I chafe. I just, I, I don't like the feeling of a BCD directly against my skin. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I have soft, sensitive skin. Whatever. Um, and it's also, like, I mean, wearing some kind of protection on your skin is always mm. going to be good, especially in the warm water. Because we did see a couple jellies. Yeah. And there were a few jelly particles and stuff. So, I mean, hot, every, little, uh, just to have some, hydroids and, yeah, and, just to have some kind of, like, protection on your skin yeah, is always good. Enough. But yeah, so I brought fins, that mask. I like no matter what, I'm always gonna bring my mask. Yeah. Um, BCD, and with the BCD, I kind of I took it apart a little bit. Yeah, so we have BCDs that come fully apart. You can disassemble the yeah. back plate from the bladder, from the uh, shoulder straps, from the waist straps, and you can take the weight pockets off. Yeah, the weight pocket assemblies. So they come apart real easily, and that makes them really good for traveling. So the big thing that I took apart, I took the metal buckle off of the back just so that you know with all the travel stuff I didn't want that to accidentally puncture the wing in the back oh fair enough okay so I took that off just in case I mean I don't know the likelihood of doing I it I don't think it's high but it's but it's something to consider it's, yeah it's so I just you know I just didn't know it's a lot of traveling and so and then I took the um inflator tube off and like I un you, you unscrewed it, it from the bladder so that's what I did. I did not bring my regulator. I know that this is kind of controversial, but I tried traveling with my regulator one time. Long story short, it was a very, it was, it caused a ton of issues. If you want Miles to tell that story, <laughs> hit us up on Instagram and we'll put it in another episode. Yeah, no, or I'll tell it on an Instagram story or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was awful. So I won't travel with my regulator anymore. I usually just use them there. I always try it out beforehand. And if something's leaky or if it doesn't sound right, I'll just ask the shop for a different one. So um, I always do travel with my regulator, but I bring the same, basically the same set of stuff. When I was, so I'll, I'll talk about Fiji because that's the most recent trip. I brought a wetsuit because it was the colder season. Uh, September is the water starting to get, uh, it's starting to warm up. Uh, for whereas you, it was it was pretty warm already because we're in we're in now it's warming mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, or it's cooling instead of warming. I brought fins, BCD, mask, regulator, wetsuit. All, so basically all, all my yeah. dive gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I didn't check any of it. 
okay. Do you normally check your dive gear? Like, like do you check it in? Check it into like the in, yes. on the plane. You check so it I in? did. I did check mine. Um, but I did make sure. That's also one of the reasons I took the buckle off, and mm. I really made sure the BCD was going to be safe in the check bag. Um, I, when I did that, though, I I padded it with clothing around it. Yeah, but with the regulator, I wouldn't check that. Um, my mask, I definitely kept in my carry-on. I just wanted it with me all the time because I've had a mask break yeah. in a check bag, and it really, really sucks. Um, yeah. It was my favorite mask. I put it in Ooh. a check bag, and I got to my destination, and it was like whatever it is, like plexiglass. Yeah shattered oh, just man. all and all over my stuff too oh, so it's no. just a mess like yeah. it was a mess and it sucked like favorite mask so that's too bad yeah so i'm definitely a lot i'm a lot more careful with my masks yeah. now i always i i don't check any of my gear for two reasons one i try not to travel with check bags whenever i can i know um, yeah. because it just makes going through customs just a little bit faster mm -hmm. uh which i which i value uh because i'd rather spend that time eating or customs uh, was actually really drinking. painless we didn't right? have any issues oh, with customs the entire trip like taiwan indonesia and United, right, and you, the u.s and you, tr you transited through taiwan right you had you yeah. had some time in taiwan i know you did yeah it was awesome it looked it looked sick love taiwan check out her instagram i brought my wetsuit because obviously the water was a little bit colder in fiji mm. but i know a lot of people don't travel with wetsuits and you just rent them when they get there um, yeah, so like in Indonesia, the big thing, I if I went back again and I traveled the same way that we did, we didn't travel like budget, but we yeah. also didn't travel like luxurious, live aboard, and this was more. You than, weren't you weren't flying and first it class. Was, no, and it was more than just a dive $15, trip. Fifteen thousand dollars on Singapore Airlines, or whatever it is now. <laughs> and we also did like other things. We went hiking. We yeah. saw some friends that live in Bali, so we were kind of all around, and we had a lot of luggage to lug around with us. If I did it again, I would try to fit everything in one bag that I didn't check. Yeah. And so with that being said, I wouldn't bring all the gear that I ended up bringing. I would try- So this is what I wanted to get to. What do you think are like the key pieces? If you're gonna do a far abroad trip, like the Far East mm -hmm. or Indonesia, or you're gonna go into the Mediterranean or something, and we're from California, so that's a pretty far flight for us. Yeah. What are the key pieces of gear that you would bring? So if if the place you're going to calls for a wetsuit, wetsuit. You would bring a wetsuit. I would because, uh, like, for me, I'm, like, a short, petite woman, and not all wetsuits fit me very well. That's and a good so point. renting a wetsuit, like, if you have a different body type than a lot of people a wetsuit's probably not going to fit you great unless you get your own and you spend the time to like try on a bunch. Yeah. So I do like, I do recommend bringing your own wetsuit if you need to. Okay. Um, mask for sure. Like non-negotiable. Non Absolutely agree with the mask. If you have like a rashy, bring a rashy. Mm -hmm. And then if you can fit your BCD in the bag, try to bring your BCD. I think like you can rent fins. You can rent a reg. I like Yeah. I think yeah. I think this is where we, I think that's the biggest one on where we differ. I I refuse to travel without my regulator mm. uh for two very simple reasons. One, I know it fits my mouth. Mm. The biggest problem I have with rental regs is a lot of times the mouthpieces are the wrong size. Yeah. I have a small face. I have a small mouth. It's one of my many shortcomings, I admit, but mm. I have a small mouth and my mouthpieces fit my face very well and I know 
Uh, I know how much force I need to bite down on it. The flow rate is familiar to me. And the second reason is I know the last time that regulator was serviced. And that's a big one for a lot of people. Right. Totally get I that. Trust, I trust this regulator to work with the way I want it and, and, and when I want it. I would, I would probably, because I'm a slightly more normal-sized person, not that you're abnormal, you're just It's smaller. okay, it's all right. Uh, I, I have At a, least I have, have a, a normal-sized mouth. All right. Yeah, I set myself up for that. I, you know, it's more likely that I can borrow a wetsuit that'll fit, or rent one that'll fit, if I need it. Mm-hmm. So, fins, I, I like to bring my own fins. I have a set of travel slash pool slash warm water fins that don't need boots mm-hmm. um, that I'll bring because they're light. And then that's what ab- I did. absolutely, that's what I brought. absolutely the mask though. I think, I mean, the mask would, if, if there's one piece of gear, it would be the a mask. one, the one, non-negotiable if, if there was one, the yeah, everything else you can rent, but own them, get them, you know, I would say, and this goes back to the, the, uh, conversation we had last episode with Emily, the mask, I think is the most important piece to yeah. me, to me, yeah. the mask is everything. Um, it's a yeah, and then I would go in, in order. I think my order would be mask, reg, fins, because I know they fit my feet, BCD wetsuit. That would be the sort of the order I take them in. Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, so like I did backpack through Central America with a lot of gear, with all my gear except for my regulator. In hindsight, I'm really glad that I didn't have it because it's a very expensive, delicate piece of equipment and I was traveling like budget, budget. You're traveling super light. So you- and I watched them throw my dive gear bag like chuck it up on top of a bus there you go and then other bags on top and it was in this like wire crate not enclosed just zoom in down a highway in honduras so yeah in hindsight i am very glad i didn't have my regulator and the stuff that i had it was more like hand-me-down dive gear so it was like good and safe but also not like top of the top that i have Right. right now um, I have a regular, a padded regulator bag that mm-hmm. I put my regulator in before, when I travel with it to sort of absorb some of those knocks and bumps that may occur just, you know, in the process of getting, calling Ubers and, mm-hmm. you know, checking your bags or whatever it is, um, you know, putting it up in the overhead and then, and then it's slant, you know, someone else moves it because mm-hmm. they need to get their own overstuffed bag in, in there. But um, yeah, so I think so, like, you yeah, know, at the end of the day, sense. if you're traveling, if you're backpacking, I, just travel light. Yeah. You can almost always where you're diving, you can rent and it's going to be good gear. If you find a good shop, it's going to be good gear. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is that find a solid dive shop and they will have good gear. Right. And so, that goes back to our conversation from last episode. We won't rehash that now. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap up with, give me your top three bucket list, money, no object, where would you go dive destinations? Okay, so... And they can be super broad. They don't have to be, like, specific dives, but, like, where okay. would you go? So, Galapagos. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Galapagos. Yep. Um, And then Isla de Cocos. What's Isla de Cocos? Okay, so it is an island off of Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends, when I was working there, had gone, and a lot of times you can get chosen to do research or whatever there. My own instructor got chosen to do some research there. I was always very jealous. He talked about it nonstop. I feel like just to annoy me. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see hammerheads, that's the place. So it's a hammerhead dive. Like that's a why you go, go for hammerheads. Tiger sharks, 
Just sharks. Shark dives. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, so that, it is. That and sounds it's, So awesome. it's a massive pinnacle. All right. And so it's a lot of wall dives Ooh. and like sloping wall. Like, and and, and it's pinnacles, that's, massive, that's where sharks come. It's a massive pinnacles. pinnacle. So he said he was diving along the wall and a tiger shark came up and came right out from under him. Like all of a sudden he said it was that's one so of the cool. scariest moments. All right. So you got Galapagos, Isla de Cocos. What's your third? Um, I would say somewhere like Sri Lanka. I would like to explore that area. Um, you know, just a different zone completely. So I would say like somewhere off of India or Sri Lanka just to see what there is to see there. I think mine would be I think those are those sound incredible. No, I think yeah. But the, I want to I'm going to I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. Okay. I'm going to say Japan. That's a good one. I would love to dive Japan. Japan would be a great one. Every time I see like a scuba magazine, there's they always have something about Japan. Yeah. Okay, I gotta go there. Yeah. I gotta go to Japan, uh, Iceland. Oh. Because I want to dive so far. I want to dive. What is it? The fjord. Fjord. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I maybe, maybe, but the dive I'm thinking of is that you can dive between the the continental plates. That's the dive I want to do. That's a good I want to do that dive. Yeah, I've heard it's not that much colder. Like once the once the water temperature gets to about fifty degrees, you don't really notice any, anything below that. Yeah, it's all just cold. I bet. So if you're wearing a dry suit and the right undergarments, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to do that, and then my third, because it's been bucket listed since I heard about it, um, is uh, Maldives. Oh, nice. I mean, it's. I mean, again, these are money no object, yeah. right? So like. Getting there, I think from LA, it's it's only one. Japan, it's two. Reasonable. It's one layover. I think. I think from from LA. Well, from Japan, we can fly direct from San Diego to, to Tokyo. I know. So that's easy. Yeah. But I'm like from Mal- from Maldives, you have to fly to somewhere in the Middle East. I think it's Doha, Qatar. Yeah. You have to fly to one of those sort of cities, and then from there you connect at least one more time. Yeah. Um, to get to get to where you want to be. So I still I'm watching. Do that I mean. Either. We, we follow enough dive, in, dive yeah. Instagram accounts to like always, they're always putting something up about the Maldives. So I have yeah. to, I have to do that. So I think we'll wrap it up there. I know there's a lot more we want to talk about. We just don't have time. We could so go forever with we'll, this one. we'll have to, we'll, we'll push some of this stuff into other episodes. We will, uh, we'll wrap it up in just a second here. All right. So we'll wrap it up with that. I know we have so much more we want to talk about. So we're going to, you know, stay tuned to our future episodes. We're going to have plenty more of this sort of talk, we'll talk to people from all over the world, including some of the people that you dove with yes. maybe or some that I've dove with. But before we do that, what bucket list destinations did we miss? Yeah. Because we were we, – right before we were, were recording this segment, we were talking about like, yeah, I could list five more right and, off the top of my head that I want to go to. So And tell, we don't know all of them either. Right, absolutely. There are a lot that I found out just in – Bali that yeah. people are obsessed with in Bali that I haven't heard of before. Yeah. So definitely tell us about those. Tell us about places, dives that you, that like bucket list dives that you want to do. Yeah. Um, or that you want to to us to do so we can tell you about. And tell us in the comments or on the Instagram. Yeah. As well. Yeah, you can you can hit us up on, through Spotify or hit us up on Instagram, whatever, uh, you want to do. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Next time we are gonna be going over different dive habits or types of divers that just drive you crazy that you know you still love but you're like uh I wish I hadn't gotten paired with you um so yeah tell us a little bit maybe on Instagram give us some ideas um just little things that your friends do your colleagues your significant others um and then a big thing is 
what about you as a diver drives your friends and your significant others crazy? And keep it limited to diving because we're not relationship <laughs> therapists no. here. We're not trying to solve your we're not trying to solve your relationship problems, but we do want to hear about Just, what uh, what you do as a diver that that kind of drives your friends nuts. Why is your obsession with diving an issue? <laughs> <laughs> it's an obsession. It's not an addiction. <laughs> So we'll end it there. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I'm Miles. I'm Jake. This is Free Descent. See ya.